for tuning in. This is podcast Healthy Families First, and I'm your podcast host, Dr. Raquel Leah. You can visit our blogger, TexasHealthyFamilies.blogspot.com, or stop through our website, TexasLegislation.learn-edu.org. We have three advocacy goals. America's future legislatory processes in family court, economic and education freedom, and effective justice for parents. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's get started. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea, and you're listening to Healthy Families First, sponsored by the Cognitive Institute of Dallas. Okay, (laughs) we've gotten a lot taken care of to this point. Let me say, I am... I'm here, but I'm not here. (laughs) It's going to take me a second. Literally, in the last 25 minutes, I finished watching all of the Netflix of Scandal. It's just, I'm I'm all caught up. (laughs) I am caught up on season one through season seven or six or whatever it was. And my brain is a little bit mushified. It's just, (laughs) I, I, it was... I think I jumped into Scandal the third season, <clears throat> kind of the second season. I, I, I um, saw a couple of episodes, but the third season, I kind of jumped into it. So I never really saw how season one had taken effect. And of course, I found some clips here or there. They did some flashbacks. So I, I kind of got into the midst of it or whatever. But as it goes, <laughs> I needed to just pay for it and catch up on it. And I think I saw, and I won't spoil it. I won't be the spoiler alert for anyone. I finally finished everything literally <clears throat> 35 to 25 minutes ago. And so my brain is mush. It is 100% mush, but I'm here. I'm committed to the series. This has been an exciting series. We're really looking for people to go to patreon.com slash healthy families first and become listeners. We, I mean, become sponsors. We are listener supported. So everything that we do and get, it's because of your generosity. If, if we have staff members that we can pay, it's because of your generosity. If there's something to be, um, if there's some kind of newscast or podcast or blog spot or, or something that, that needs to go out that takes some marketing efforts or some coder or someone we need to hire, it's because of listeners like you. So we really appreciate you. Most of our listeners are not on Patreon.com. We are transitioning to Patreon.com. So most listeners um, usually go through PayPal. And so we will be moving everyone over to Patreon.com. So all of you new (laughs) bees, join (laughs) Patreon.com. So we're really looking at parenting and public shaming. I've read a lot online about how public shaming is wrong. I do not agree. I believe that the nuances of how we explain it is wrong. I believe that 
that every 10 years, there, there are these trigger words that get society kind of pumped up. It, it gets society pumped up and we advocate and we want to march and we want to walk, you know. Uh, freedom for all, liberty for all, empowerment. There are these, these phrases that seem to catch um, in, in society. One of the, one of the phrases uh, within the last three years, I think it's died down, but within the last seven to ten years, it was a real hot trigger topic. Bullying. <clears throat> Bullying was, and was people, kids were committing suicide, they were um, acting out, and, and there were these societies online, on Facebook, and kids were just simply tortured, and so parents picked up no bullying campaigns and talked to PTAs and, and got involved, and now you rarely hear the word bullying. You, it, it, I will say it, parents advocated and they locked it down. They locked it down. However, I, I must admit, I would have appreciated some of that parental advocacy <laughs> in the 80s and 90s. There was no such thing as you being bullied in the 80s and 90s. It, it just didn't happen. You go to the office, someone trying to fight you, oh well, deal with it, suck it up. You know, find a different group to hang out with. If you were being taunted in school and you were a nerd in school, it was your fault for being a nerd. It was your fault because you didn't have the latest Jordans. It was your fault because you didn't wear the chick jeans. It was your fault. And and there was no help or support. There was very little. I, I think I remember <clears throat> a couple of principals reaching out to me. Um, there was no one for heckling. There was no one that you could talk to in the 80s when you were browbeaten. Um, when when there was so much intimidation that you couldn't take it as a kid, you didn't want to sit on a bus. When you were violently threatened and you went to the office with a complaint, at least in my school, and I like to think that I grew up in the upper chalant of, you know, um, suburbs, middle upper middle class suburbs. There was there was there was nothing. You got sent back home. Now you might want to believe that race played a part in that. You may want to believe that um, some other issue played a part in it. The bottom line is that I didn't get help and treatment for those things. And so now, about 10 years ago, maybe maybe eight years ago, there has been a strong support for children who have been bullied online. And for children, these children were committing suicide. They, <clears throat> they couldn't go to the lunchroom uh, on social media People were just being a menace. Kids were being a menace and, and telling other kids you should kill yourself and die. And, and the intimidation and the forcefulness with bullying was outrageous. And I am so glad that parents advocated. I'm so glad that they advocated. What I'm trying to drive home is society moves and shifts. Where in the 80s and 90s, there was not a lot of help for me. I will say now, in this new age, that there are a lot of, there's a lot of help. It wasn't even called bullying back then. Someone was just taunting me. You know, someone was making fun of me. You know, <clears throat> someone was using poor behavior tactics. And I even remember if you got into a fight with a group of girls, everybody got expelled. There, there was no, they didn't want to hear it. Principals didn't want to hear it. Everybody went home. It didn't matter who was at fault.
Now <clears throat> there's all of these petitions. There's a way to find out who's right, who was wrong. And so my point as, as a driver home that I, that I want to, to tell you about before we get into today's series, today's episode, is that they're trigger words. And so <clears throat> when I use the, the language public shaming, there, people believe that public shaming is wrong because it sounds wrong. People believe that bullying is wrong because it sounds wrong. I think that shaming is the new is the new trigger word. Just like bullying was this new trigger word. I can use a word instead of shaming and say, "Hey, <clears throat> this is reprehensible," and and this I, my child is not above reproach. Um, I I think that this is disconcerting, and I'm going to address it. Now, all of those words were the same as shaming, but when I say to you public shaming, it sounds like something you shouldn't do to your child. I believe that I can debase my child in public and say, hey, get in line, you're wrong for that. And if I explain it to you using the word debase instead of shaming, guess what? All of a sudden your ears are open and you want to say, oh, oh, well, you know, she didn't shame them. She just debased them. Means the exact same thing. <laughs> I tell you what, let's take a short break. I'll be right back. You can't hide the fact that your children have been taken. And you can't hide the shame and devastation you feel when something as horrible as this happens. But what happens when the family is split in error? Breaking generational curses. When Child Protective Services takes your children is one of the many stories that should never have been. And we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Dr. Raquel Leah, and you're listening to Healthy Families First. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. <clears throat> we were talking about debasing our children. We're, we're talking about um, going <clears throat> the extra mile. And if there's a damaging effect that's happening in public that I need to address with my child, I'm going to address that in public with my child. With my child, I don't believe in being spiteful and holding on to it until we get home or get in the car. I'm going to say, hey, I need you to check it. Check it. We'll talk about it later. If, if what I'm doing is detractive, if what I'm doing is, is um, in, in, investive, if, all of those words are the same thing as shaming. If I need to take a place and, and, and be a certain way with my child, brazen, to get them publicly in line. If I say, hey, cut it out. It's what you're doing is notorious. Cut it out. <laughs> then I have the right to do that as a parent. However, <clears throat> you have to understand that how I choose to do it. I do need to make sure that it's not horrendous and hideous. I do need to make sure that it's not something that's nefarious that's going to stay with them for the next 10 years. And I think that people are getting shaming, <clears throat> the word shaming, um, confused in their parenting style with nefarious. It does not mean I'm going to be nefarious to my child and create some, some sort of public Valiciousness that really speaks volumes and the child will never will need counseling for it as an adult. No. Public shaming has its place. Even if I have a two-year-old and I say, no, 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 no. Did you take that from the store? Put that back. We're taking it back right now. 
that's shameful to the child. It is shameful to that child. However, even though it's shameful to the child, it's necessary. So I'm not saying for you to be inhuman to your child. I'm not saying deprave your child. I'm not saying to be beastly or barbaric or atrocious to your child. But public shaming has its place. Some things you need to deal with right there in public and, and let it be known. Okay, so <clears throat> I really wanted to talk about today in this episode the balance of relationships. And... <clears throat> There's a, there's a power shift as your child grows older that has to take place. And so as parents, our tactics change so that we continue to keep the power. Now, that may be hard to verbalize or hard to even hear. But we even, even if, if our child is an adult, we want to keep the power. <laughs> don't say that we don't. It's, it's enjoyable to let your child know that, hey, you, I don't care how old you get, you are still the child. I am still the parent. You haven't walked in my shoes. You will always be 20 or 30 years behind me. Therefore, I have the power. But as our children get older, there's an accountability to that, that our parenting is not only challenged, but children may vocalize that our parenting is not fair. So what do you do? What are you going to do when your child says, hey, I don't like the way you parent me? So we're going to talk about the balance of the relationships. And you may say, well, well Dr. Raquel, I don't know what you're talking about. You, maybe you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So I saw an episode of something. I'll, tell you, I'll use it to you in a different way. So <clears throat> there's an article. In the news, of course, I always like to use case studies. I always work with these shows by bringing you up-to-date knowledge. And so it, it was published about nine months ago. And it's about a teenager who calls her parents racist. Um, and and so the, this child says, hey, I th my parents are racist. I'm going to write an article about it and I'm going to put my parents on blast. All right. <laughs> How do you feel about that? How do you feel when your child calls you racist? Your child is, is being judgy and they're coming at you and saying, I am challenging some of the things that you raised me to do. So it, it, it's, not, it's not bad. It's not bad. It is a challenge of power and authority. And so what do we do? to to have that conversation with the child if the child writes an article no let's back up before we get to the article if the child is at home and say you know mom dad i think you're being racist you need to catch up with the times no one calls people this name or that name no one feels that way um with, with someone from um, Slo slovenia no one acts that way with people from eastern countries you guys need to change your view these are these are kids that you've raised are now in your house and they're older and they're saying hey I'm challenging your parenting. I'm challenging how you act at home. So, so now what? Do you berate the child? Do you, do you shame the child at home? What do you do when your child says, hey, I'm calling you out? So, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you how to handle the situation. What I'm going to tell you to do is that I caution you. That if your child at an, adole at a, at an age of adolescent, when they understand... Or, or they imply that you treat people different per their race, then it's time that you 
take as a parent, take a couple of steps back and say, okay, how do I need to be challenged? How, how am I, how, how am I being challenged now? Because it's not about if you're doing it, that's not what's on the table here. I want you to look at it a little differently. I want you to look at it as though it doesn't matter if you're doing it. It's how your child perceives the person that you are. That's different. You know, when we deal with our parents, when I deal with my parents, I have what I think in my head. I am of the age where my parents have made some decisions, but I can remember in my 20s where I challenged my parents. I challenged my parents at every end. I was like, hey, you did this to me. You did this to me. I want, I don't even know that I was looking for an explanation. I was looking for conversation. I, was, I, I wasn't looking for me. Now, I'm not, now, children want different things. Me as a child. I was looking for an explanation for my parents. I wasn't looking for an apology. I don't think parents give apologies. If they do give apologies, it's rare. You probably need to, to put it in a jar and keep it, <laughs> a recording or something. And my, 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 my father has apologized to me regarding some things. My mother's like, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not going to revisit it. Too bad. But my father has taken accountability to some things. So here this child is, 15 years old, and talking about how he thinks his, his parents are racist. And he gives several examples of that. Now, <clears throat> in reality, that might not be the case, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about parenting and public shaming. The child even went further and published an article. Let me, let me go to... Let me talk about another article. There was an article written March, and it's more recent. It was this year in 2019, and um, it talks about parents. It still it still comes along with race, and it talks about how parents may be a little, may come from an older cultural background. It talks about stereotypes and how parents may stereotype and not be accepting because of certain things that have happened in their past. Those are all things that change how we parent today. It does. And, and so when, you, when we have blinders, if my child thinks I'm a racist, all I can do is, I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about that because I've never been called a racist. If they do call me a racist, I don't even know what to do with that. I don't know where to put it. But the example is clear that as we get older, our children judge how we parent them. So our children will expose our inadequacies. I have, well, I won't say I have, I'll say <clears throat> I have friends that have adult children and we talk a lot about how their adult children seem to be selfish and bring up things and write postings on Facebook about some things that happened and the parents are hurt because not only do the parents not perceive the story to go that way the parents look like the villain so how do you balance relationships when your children are calling you out about something that you publicly shamed or humiliated them with or how your parenting was not was was I would just say inept it, it wasn't on point it whatever you were trying to teach they didn't get it so now there's this imbalance 
you, there's an imbalance, there's a communication breakdown, or there was a communication breakdown that was not explained. And I'll tell you something, parents have a lot more reasoning than their children do. And so when we make a decision, we don't necessarily explain all of the ins and outs of that decision. Sometimes it may be worth explaining the ins and outs of that decision. Sometimes it's worth giving the speech so that the child, or, and then maybe the child is going to forget anyway. The factors are, are, are so, can be so skewed for, for various reasons. So here you, here you have this situation where these children think that their parents are racist. One, one lady in an article said that she was really hurt. She had an Asian friend that came over. And her Asian friend, her mother said to her Asian friend, wow, Asians are really smart and you want to hang out with my daughter and thought it and, and, and made some haphazard comments about that. Well, that was hurtful to the teenager. And so the teenager apologized for her mom. And then there was this conversation about the parents saying to the teenager, why are you apologizing for me? So they kind of went back and forth in front of this child who happened to be Asian who happened to be an adolescent and so now you have the this very uncomfortable conversation point being is that this person wrote an article about their mother's behavior and so as a parent when you are challenged with inadequacies in your parenting or when things are seen in a certain light it's worth thinking about it now so that we can change those things and marginalize what happens in the negative later Let's take a quick break. I'm Dr. Raquel Leo. We'll be right back. Welcome to Public Service Announcement, PSA. Texas legislation is changing. There are mass majorities and casualties involved in the Department of Family Protective Services that leave children in their care unaccounted for, dead, lost, hurt, torn, and irreconcilable with biological families and lack of community support by the ages of 18. Now, these comments are not from me, but from governor's offices, policymakers' desks, and from the media. The outcry for change in Texas is enormous. Be a part of the change. Our premium listeners have the honor of watching the legislative processes before their own eyes. Normally, this is a difficult process that includes updates, floor hearings, conversations, and bills between the House and the state. Texas is inexhaustible but willing to change. That's where we become involved. Download our white pages and follow the process. We will go through the technicals, mechanics, and life-changing cases that affect you and your state and 13 others. Texas is leading. If change hasn't come to your state, if networks, federal dollars, state paraprofessionals, and special interests have caught your family between a rock and a hard place, this too is why we are here. Start a campaign for your family. Learn more at texaslegislation.learn-edu.org slash o-u-r-services.html today.
And we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Healthy Families First. And this episode is sponsored by the Cognitive Institute of Dallas. I will say right now, the Cognitive Institute Dallas does a lot of IT learning and managed security features. So if you're looking to get an IT, if you're looking to become a proficient hacker, if you're looking to just take some courses in Java or Python, log on to cognitiveinstituteofdallas.org and look at the security features that they offer. Look at the courses that they offer. A lot of them are online, in demand, and you can take some of those courses in person. Find out where their locations are. To get in contact with someone at the Cognitive Institute of Dallas, you can dial 1-800-399-0952, extension 801. So we were talking about I was using racism as an example. It, it's just a random example about parenting. And, and so now we're at the point where we really want to talk about um, how to parent and public shaming. And some of the things that happen during public shaming events that you may not realize happened in the way that they said it happened. We all have stories that we tell about something that our parent did to us in public. And we laugh about it. We laugh about it. I sometimes feel like the world thinks every, everybody's a victim and everybody's an offender. Okay, you, you, it labels so many people as so many things that it can be stressful. And so because of that, we have to, we have to be strong in our beliefs and how we thought to parent. And there needs to be some give and take in the relationships that we have and the relationships that we manage so that our parents can then see, hey, we're trying as a child to now parent. And then our children can see, hey, we're trying to be a parent. It's a, it's a hard balance. I understand that. As your, as your, child, as your children get older, <clears throat> and this show really does advocate for people that have a parent-child split. And as your children get older, um, the dynamics of the relationships change. Let's say both of you have some of the same relationships. So both of you could be friends with your sister, which makes it their aunt, but still that's a different dynamic and an and an adult relationship. So when, adult, when relationships intermix, with friendships and and different romances for example you may know their intimate partner you may know their girlfriend or their boyfriend and have a relationship or an extended relationship and even with family members one key of navigating these complex relationships is to understand how and why they are different from other relationships that you have in your life for example you will never be your friend your children's friends friend Okay, <laughs> if your child has a best friend, stay in your lane as your child's mother. Just because that best friend shows you some courtesies as being respectful and, and may engage you in conversation does not mean that they like you as just an occasional bestie. That, does, that is not what that means. That means, that, so don't get it twisted. That means they're being respectful, okay? Um, I will say that I had a sibling that would befriend all of my friends and it just drove me nuts and then I found out that the sibling had conversations with my friends when I wasn't around how annoying oh my gosh it's so annoying of course at the time I didn't I didn't feel as though that was some form of jealousy I do now I know when someone's hating <laughs> but it 
it's a violation. So the way to understand those relationships is to know how to separate those relationships. I, I give you, you say, well, Dr. Raquel, how do you separate those relationships? There are three categories, and, I, and I, I keep them in three categories, so I know you can keep them in three categories. I keep them in family, friends, workplace. That's it, family, friends, and workplace. And if you want a fourth category, you can say family, friends, or foe, and workplace. But I keep them in three categories. Either you're my family, either you're my friend, or workplace. And so I try not to cross-venture um, extended relationships those extended relationships are friends that's the, you can you can think of them as family but they are friends you are they they are they are fan, they are extended family but friends and so you treat them as such so that you don't cross boundaries and there's not an offense taken by someone okay so let's talk about um, the extended relationships and how the and I'll, and I'll do some you know I think I'll do a blog about this I'll talk about how there is a need in our parenting and public shaming with children and, and raising children when you balance relationships you have to know how you categorize categorize someone for example if we're talking about family primarily they're a family because of affection tradition and longevity that's it people people say all the time hey you can't choose your relatives <laughs> And that's true. You you really honestly can't choose your relatives. If if they're in your life and it's not by it's not by relational choice, then they're probably a relative. And so that being said, you kind of keep them in that family category. So when you're dealing with communication with your children, or let's say you don't have um, access to communicate with your child, if that is the case, then we we may use family. Because family may know the affection that we have. There may be some traditions in our family and the longevity and the history and the genealogy of what has occurred in the past may give you certain accesses to your children, may give you certain ways and dynamics to communicate with that child. One of the things I liked about my children is that I guess and I didn't understand this when they were children, when they were small. Children have an innate sense of forgiveness. They don't, they don't think about forgiving they just forgive and when when the dynamic works when you have more than one child usually and 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 we had have more than one usually children they just relate now as they get older of course that changes but children has the, have this sense of strong bond and family where <clears throat> usually that doesn't rupture. It ruptures because something happens as adolescents, as teenagers and adults. But when, if you have small children and you communicate with them, look at how your children interact with each other with the level of forgiveness. And the reason I say that is because they can be angry at one minute, then the next minute they'll come together and want to share. And so we should extend a level of forgiveness as parents to small children and and when I say forgiveness maybe that's the wrong word we shouldn't be so tumultuous in parenting 
We should understand that if you have to get a child straight that one second, in two seconds they've forgotten about it and move on. And so it's good for us to forget about it and move on. Don't keep harboring on it for five and six hours and then in the car and then when they get home they get in trouble and then they're on punishment for a week. Not necessary. Children, and I'm talking about under the age of uh, 10, 9 and 10, children tend to go from event to event. And it's not that they don't have memory of what they did. They have memory of what they did, but they have an innate sense of forgiveness, acceptance, and then moving on. And so if we parent with forgiveness, acceptance, and then moving on, when we say something to them in public... And again, I've got to use some word other than shaming because people are going to feel like I'm being scandalous or maleficent, you know, or monstrous. So let, let me say that when you have to um, say something to your child in a covetous way and say, hey, this behavior is unacceptable. I need you to let it go. When they let it go, you let it go. Public shaming is very different than shaming at home and public shaming is very different than shaming um, at let's say a relative's home I would say that public shaming is more harsh so it's not necessary to be as hard on a child when you do this publicly you can you can do it in any way that's acceptable that the child does not feel as though it's hurting uh, their spirit of, and, and a form of cruelty. You know when you're being cruel. You may not accept you're being cruel, but you know when your parenting is cruel. So if you feel like your child did something worth praising and you praise them at home, that's great. <laughs> when you praise them over the telephone to relatives, that's great. When you praise them in public in front of their peers, oh my gosh, what a level of elevation. You just, you just, you just upgraded their status tenfold, you know. So what I'm saying is that when you do something publicly, it has more of a resounding effect. So we have to be very careful in that respect. And, I, and you know, when you, when you say something to your children publicly, we kind of, if you slow down the conversation, you can generally feel if what you're doing is good or bad. We can evaluate pretty fast as parents if, if how we're parenting is appropriate or if we've gone too far. When we parent, looking at other people's face will tell us if we've gone too far. It's, it might be an open judgment to let us know this is not the time for that. Because remember that perception is, is very important publicly. Because that child, you don't want to humiliate the child. You want a corrective action. Corrective action is different than humiliating. And I know what, what I'm trying to teach you to do is slow down the parenting tools in public. Doesn't mean stop. You know, I remember my, my ex-husband used to pull a kid over to the side quick. And he would get down on his knees and squat to where he was at that child's level. And I would tell him all the time, I'd say, you know what, don't do that for more than 35 seconds because people are watching you and people are judging you. And he could care less. He's, you know, I don't care. I don't do that. No, 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 no. You should care. Because that child now perceives the looks of other people. And where you can withstand the ridicule of others, that child is a child and cannot. 
So what I'm saying is let's slow down how we use public shaming. Let's slow down how we choose to public to publicly parent so that we can think about the long-term long long-term goals of the balance of relationships that we have with others. I try not to well it's not that I don't try. It's that I'm prohibited. <laughs> I'm prohibited from parenting in front of my parents. My kids can do no wrong. They are solid gold. I'll get to that in a second. So I was talking about the three different groups and balancing relationships and how we choose to publicly shame. So <clears throat> I was saying family, friends, and fall. And so we kind of went through families. Let me let me just tell you about friends and acquaintances. The, these, most, I have very few friends. I will call someone an acquaintance, but for, the, <clears throat> for this particular um, episode, I'm going to put friends with acquaintances. I have very few people that I enjoy their space. I don't mind them being in my space. And if they stay the night, we're just going to stay up giggling and laughing. I have very few people. I think I have more guy friends than girlfriends. And guys, just a note, once you're in my friend zone, you are never coming out. <laughs> That's it. You're in the friend zone. So generally, I do have some friends that I just don't like that I tell very little to. And I would consider them more acquaintances. I, they, they probably have some feelings about us in return. However, generally speaking, I would just say general. I would say people will people like who they spend a lot of time with. And out of your family's friends and flow, foe and, and workplace friends, acquaintances, you probably spend more time, more quality time, more golden time with friends and acquaintances. And and the reason I want to bring up friends or best friends or um, those who, who bring us some kind of pleasure in relationships and they're closer, they could be closer to us than family relationships. Those people are really judgy. And will be honest with you about what they think about your parenting. And so, I notice when my friends around, my parenting changes. I have to be honest. <laughs> I am more lighthearted when and easygoing when my friends around. Probably because I don't want to be <laughs> interrupted as a parent. But I know that my friends, if they see something wrong, that they're going to call me out on it. They're going to call friends call you out on your baloney. They will. They will call you out in a heartbeat. And they don't care what you think about it. If they're a real friend, they're a close friend, acquaintance, a relationship acquaintance, you can bet your bottom dollar that they're probably going to talk about it with their spouse. I don't know any of my friends who casually don't talk about some of the things that we... You, you have to give your your spouse or your intimate partner enough information about Spending time with your friends so that they don't get jealous. So when they peruse through the conversation, you don't want them stopping at how you parent. <laughs> because remember, that's public as well. If your children are around, and I think they shouldn't be around when friends are around, but when, you're, when your children are around, children, I'm talking about 16 and under now, when those children are around and your good friends are around, <clears throat> we are more dynamic parents. We seem, we want our friends to think that we are a little bit more cool. So we may cut down on <clears throat> the haphazardness. We may, um, we may not humiliate 
or we may not um, discredit our children in front of them or maybe we do maybe we take the time to yell at our children in front of our friends I'm not going to go there for this conversation. I'm going to say that everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice wants to know how to open communication if there's a parent-child relationship split and so that they're open to my conversation. So if you are yelling and and debasing your children and, and humiliating them in front of your friends, you don't need to be listening to this episode because I debase you. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get that let's get that clear. I'm talking to parents who are pretty, pretty, pretty much normal in their parenting, and there's a relationship split, whether there's foster care, CPS, in-laws, um, ex-spouses, or, or they're adults, and right now your kids just don't want to deal with you. They don't want to communicate with you. I'm trying to set the stage for us to balance healthy relationships by putting them in certain categories. And as they grow older, that they may desire that that category change. My children sometimes want me to just talk to them as they're an adult. I remember that my um, my stepson one time told me, "Can you just can you just be my mom for a second? Can you can you just can you just be my mom?" And my heart just hurt. Number one, that's the, what I thought I was doing. <laughs> I thought I was being mom. And number two, I really did not, I didn't think it was that serious. Whatever the situation was, it was a bad soccer game. I didn't think it was that serious. He thought it was that serious. I didn't look at it that way. And I'm so glad that he called me out. I didn't want to set a standard of non-caring. So I got called out on my baloney. I'm, t- I'm telling you, this parenting stuff is hard. You don't know the challenges you're going to face depending on the child, depending on their characteristics, their traits, and what they think of you later. <clears throat> so, I've been told that I talk fast, so let me take a sip of tea and slow down. I remember that um, one episode <clears throat> in the past, someone called in and and um, it was a foster care kid, and she said, she said, Dr. Raquel Leia, I need a new mom. Will you be my mom? And my heart just poured out. My heart poured out. And I, and I know that this child saw me as something that I'm probably never going to be to them. But what they were looking for was healthy parenting. You know, our children do tend to we fall from grace when they look at us there'll be an age where we can do no right and so they will look for other adults to parent them they will find an adult uh, it could be at school like away from college it can be where they worship learn play and they will ask or that that adult will kind of take on that child as a sub you know a subject I guess a surrogate and and kind of try to put some positive thoughts into the child I I have myriads of 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 young adults that I talk with oh my goodness so in doing that you have more opportunities to bounce some different skill if you to some different parenting skills I have a lot I think I maybe have eight or nine women that look to me as mom that are in their early 20s it's about eight or nine women I can't keep up with all of them I tell you and when they when they tell me information I have to go back and I have to think about it 
because I'm too old for this shit. I'm telling you, I'm too old. And so some of the things that they go through, they value me and they value my input. We go shopping together. We, we drink tea together. They come over. They spend, they, they even come over to the house when a couple of them are over to the house. I'll never do that again. Do not mix that. They want your undivided attention. It doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> but I've learned that I can use some of my new parenting skills with these grown women <laughs> who look for me to be honest with them and tell them when they're screwing up. And I do. So the balance of relationships where it comes into play with family and now with friends and acquaintances, these are those relationships that you enjoy, that you have the most time with. They're valuable. And remember what I said, that relationships break into three or four um, groups. Family, friends, foe, workplace. I don't, we're not going to talk about foe, so now we're down to three. Family, friends, and workplace. And when you have a child that's an adult, then they vary into family, friend, and workplace. I, I would like for my children as I get older, you know, and I run my own companies in cybersecurity, I would love for my children to come and work for me. That means there's some things that I can't say at work. There's some ways that I have to manage them being an adult. I don't I don't want to discredit them at work. So I have to be more cautious and careful. There was a lady that I thought very, very highly of, and she made a public announcement that she was going to fire her son. And she came on, she made it, not only did she make a public announcement, she made a public announcement, and she did a whole show about it. And I just happened to be at that live taping of that show and her and I are really good friends. And I think I cringed for the whole hour because I think there were probably maybe a hundred people, maybe a hundred to two hundred people in the studio listening live, including myself. I wasn't in the back. I, I don't work for her. I was their supportive friend and uh, she was staying with me for the weekend. And I could not believe that she made this whole episode regarding her relationship with her son and and the fact that she hired him that you know she was trying to help him he was unethical about some things he challenged some things he you know kind of um, overstepped some boundaries with the other staff was was doing some other things that I won't even mention if she mentioned this to the audience and you know of course everybody agreed with her because she's the guest speaker I cringe the whole time. I don't know if she thought about what this would do with her relationship with her son, which still hasn't healed. And I, I can imagine, um, and we talked about it a little bit, and she kind of, you know, at the time that I brought it up, she deflected and, you know, she didn't want to hear me. And I will say that <clears throat> workplace environments um, should stay separate. These are these are random people that you guys are there <clears throat> for a common purpose and that while you're working you may share some characteristics, you may share um, some professions of similarity, you may share common background, <clears throat> a common culture, you may have some temperaments that are that are the same. I deal with a lot of people that are very uh, dominant, dominant personalities in cybersecurity. And you may talk about family relations. This is not the place to be a parent. It is very important <clears throat> that as a parent, you don't publicly shame your children if you share a workplace. 
this is humiliating to them and they may not get over it. If they do get over it, I kind of, they're going to be resentful even if they choose to forgive you. You don't want to do that. So there are a lot of inadequacies that go along if you don't understand as a parent the line of public shaming and using shaming as a healthy tool in healthy ways and then what category you see your adult child or your adolescent child, your teen or your just young kid. And these vary in our parenting. And so it's essential that we not we not screw it up. I can't um I can't explain and express to you enough how tough the the world is. I, I can't say enough that everyone has survived. Everyone is a survivor. We've all been a victim of something. And we've we've probably naturally all have been some kind of offender. I don't know. It's what it's what society says we are. We are everything society says we are, and then we are held accountable at a level that, that varies. So if you believe that, which I don't, but if you believe that, then you can be you can be challenged in your parenting. You can screw up parenting. You can be very hard and unforgiving on how you've handled some things in the past. But the truth is, when you um, prevent intimacy in your relationships with your children, or when you parent in a way that keeps them distant then it, it makes that relationship more vulnerable and more, more apt to lose effective communication. Keep in mind that, that relationships take a lot of work, you know that. And so in here, we, we started this show to teach parents how to have healthy relationships with their children. And we started this show to really um, reach out to parents and say, hey, we know that we don't, we don't want you and what you're going through to get lost in the cracks. And so we want to address that there might be a communication split. And so part of parenting and public shaming and understanding the boundaries of healthy relationships and, and healthy parents first and all of these things you are going to go through loneliness and pain of not having your children there if you're not listening and you don't get this right. It's worth the 99 cent, trust me. You can go to learn-edu.org. We have more public um, out, we have more public forums where we really talk about um, legislation on BBS radio and on some of the podcasts and some of like Google podcasts. You'll find me on Google podcasts. I think it's the pink one. Um, I think it's called podcast colon for families. Dr. Raquel Leia. <clears throat> I think that's what it's called. Well, it's on podcast. I think I have about four or five of them out there. The bottom line is we want you to get this right. We want you to understand that there are inadequacies that you may not understand. That there's a reason that there's a parent-child relationship split. And we want to help you rebuild it. We can't rebuild it if you're going to be stubborn and not listen to what we're saying. Try it. You'll see that it works. Figure out where you want your kid. If your child is a child, you want them in family relations, which means pretty much the longevity of it. As they become an adolescent, you may have to move them a little bit. You may have to remove your parenting style a little bit and hone down because they're more touchy and sensitive on public uh, ridicule 
and getting them back to where they need to be. You may want to let them get away with a couple of things in public because when you do it, like I said, with other people around, it has a harder tendency. It comes down really hard on the kid. But when you're an adult, there may be some things that you can just outright say and put it flatly and expect that it would be um, expect that it would be honored. You, you got to do it. You have to begin to place yourself and your parenting style in a communication category and in a relationship category and then keep it there. You're setting up healthy boundaries so that your relationship with your children can survive. These are really easy common tactics that I know that you can get. And the truth is, like I said, when you deny yourself because of because the parenting style in the past is not working. I'm not saying that you don't work as a parent. I'm saying that all kids can't accept the same parenting style. And so when do you when you deny the fluctuation in your parenting, it's going to hurt the relationship. And it's going to hurt the relationship in negative ways. So <clears throat> I'll make this one other point before we close today. Because I want you I want to be effective. I learned that um as a parent that when I communicate, and it doesn't matter who I communicate with, they're looking for me to be honest. That's what they're looking for. And they're, they're looking for, um, if it's people that I'm in an intimate relationship with, they may be looking for some level of realness from me. They just want the realness of who I am. If, if it's a, a, a child, they may be looking for me to hear them and how they felt. And if it's uh, a good friend, they may be looking for me to be a little bit more exciting and, and a little bit more just, you know, where we can relate and talk about anything. Um, so when you define what kind of relationship you have with your child and what category you place them in, you may want to place them in the relational category with relationships but your place might not be there where you can have that kind of communication with them and y'all might your friendship your your parenting might be in the friend zone which means there's some things that you just can't communicate to your child i think that we should try to advocate and read for ourselves and read that we read between the lines that it's going to take work for us to recover that the parent-child relationship is not going the way we'd like it to go and we need to grieve the fact that it's not what we thought it was going to be but it is what it is and so that's what we need to start realizing when your child is an adult you're going to have to set some whole different boundaries than when they were two a toddler and just learning to walk a gate isn't going to do it <laughs> okay <laughs> you know taking away their ipad isn't going to do it so th those are things that we may struggle with it, it, it's, it's going to take something deeper all right so on bbs radio we talk about a lot of legislation and law that's um and if you want the website it's bbsradio.com slash healthy families first and you will list you can download and listen for free the legislative talk that we have on um, some of the limitations in parenting depending on what state you are in the difference between federal and state legislation you may want to pay 
like in order if you're listening to this you paid the 99 cent because you thought it would help and I and I hope that it will you can send us an email if you have further questions you can go to our blog spot if you just kind of want to read up on some material and have some resources available to you our goal is that you start implementing measures and understand first where you are get you to second get you to a healthy place of recovery and then third when you reach out to that child or that child reaches out to you you'll have some tools in your toolbox that you've practiced and managed with others that um, now they do better you do better and it's not criticizing you as a parent it's not criticizing you as a person it's saying that you may not have the skill set to meet that child where they are right now Maybe that's why God gave us two parents. I'm not even going to challenge that. I hate that I said it. <laughs> so, so, so here we are. Here we are. And my, my message to you is that these tools work, but it's going to take some humility on our part. I am Dr. Raquel Lea. Thank you so much for tuning in to Healthy Families First. I hope that this is a lasting as well as challenging episode for you.